Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, this music means it's time for the memes of the weekend. And we've got a bunch to get to here today on the Take It Easy podcast, so we're just going to hop right into it. First and foremost, we begin with the earliest meme of the weekend, which was the University of Texas. Horns down, ladies and gentlemen. The University of Texas took a massive L at the hands of Arkansas football, and my man Juju Talk Sports over on the Slump Buster had a great point about this, that Texas is getting ready to move over to the SEC and just got smacked by the lowest of the low SEC programs. And something that happens a lot in college football is that I'll give teams and coaches the benefit of the doubt when it's their first year. Because with the transfer portal, when you fire a coach, usually the players of the previous regime transfer somewhere else. Very few end up staying at the program where they were at, and so all of a sudden you're filling with a lot of first and second year guys, and you're losing to FCS teams, or in the case of Arizona, you're losing by 24 points to the SDSU. SDSU as text fight. So I give some benefits of the doubt in some of these cases, like where Vandy loses to Eastern Tennessee, or Illinois loses to one of those terrible FCS programs, or Kansas storms the field after beating South Dakota by three points, a team that is six and ten in FCS play over the last few years. I'll give the benefit of the doubt in some of those cases, but for the University of Texas, they were ranked coming into the game. They lose to Arkansas. And the joke, I, I make fun of a lot of college football programs. Sometimes it's even unfair. Like, I have jokes about the Pac-12 South and how as the Pac-12 taketh with victories for Oregon and victories for UCLA, it also taketh away with USC losing to Stanford at home, a Stanford team that is really bad. Like, Stanford is like a 4-8 and eight team on paper that now might get to 5-7 and seven thanks to that victory over USC. And maybe, just maybe, with one more upset, they can sneak their way into the Motel 6 Cactus Bowl coming up at some time this year. But anyways, the Pac-12 lost that game, and then uh, BYU beat Utah, who was ranked, so... Take those L's, Pac-12 South. Even as the Pac-12 giveth a massive victory for Oregon, it taketh away with losses to your powerhouse teams in the in the Pac-12 South. But for Texas and Arkansas, Arkansas is one of those teams that I make fun of pretty litigiously, and it's fair. Like, I remember Darren McFadden played there. I think Matt Castle was the quarterback there for a while. And then they've just had Allens play quarterback, and they've been terrible for about six or seven years. The only... Arkansas game I've watched was when Arkansas was playing North Texas and North Texas faked a punt or sorry faked a fair catch on a punt and then ran it back to the end zone that's the one of the few memories I have I think it's the only memory I've had of Arkansas football across the last six to seven years and now Arkansas has a pretty good team Arkansas now has uh, Sam Pittman is their coach who just looks like Arkansas football like Google a picture of Sam Pittman and he just looks like Arkansas football. And so, for my man Pfeiffer football, Tanner, congratulations to your Arkansas Razorbacks for that dub. I know he was working the game this weekend, which is a really cool deal for him. And you got to beat up on the University of Texas. And we get to laugh at the University of Texas for losing to Arkansas, even though Arkansas isn't that bad. Next up, Iowa State. 
you guys get to take an L against your crosstown rivals of Iowa. And this is the perfect reason why it's never good to run things back. When you run it back with the exact same group that had massive success, all of a sudden expectations start to set in. And when expectations set in, it's not as fun to root for you. The players don't have as much fun. And all of a sudden you find yourself like Steve Kerr when the Warriors had won back-to-back championships, basically falling apart at the seam because it was just so much pressure to perform at that high level. So for Iowa State, They brought back the head coach, Matt Campbell, the coach there, turned down $60 million to coach the Detroit Lions to stay at Iowa State. Maybe he'll have one of those big college programs opening up soon, but it seems like he missed his window to jump on board, just like what happened with P.J. Fleck at Minnesota when he turned down the head coaching job at Oregon that went to Mario Cristobal and what we highlighted on Wired Up episode 85 about the successes that Cristobal has had since then in building a regional power at Oregon, culminating with the victory against Ohio State. So it feels like Matt Campbell's missing the boat there. Brock Purdy chose to stay instead of transferring for his final season before going to the NFL draft. Maybe he'll be like a second-round pick, maybe first-rounder, but probably like that high second-round pick range. Um, And they brought back pretty much the entire team and they lose to Iowa. Their championship dreams are effectively dashed. They could go into Oklahoma and beat a team with a better quarterback, theoretically a better coach, and better recruiting bases because Oklahoma at least has a reputation. Iowa State is Iowa State. So they have to beat a team that has four times the budget as them, has a better quarterback and a better head coach to have any chance of making it to the college football playoff or even making it back to a New Year's Six Bowl game, which they won the Fiesta Bowl last year for the first major bowl win for Iowa State in their program's history. And Iowa State was never going to become a national powerhouse. It is a stepping stone for other programs For people like Matt Campbell and for Brock Purdy, it's a stepping stone to something greater, and both of them chose to stay, and now you get to see the dark side of what happens when you bet on yourself and you end up failing. So rough break for Iowa State this weekend. Florida State, we talked about you last week with Mackenzie Milton and how you couldn't stop being Florida State. Congratulations, we get to laugh at you again. I feel like memes of the weekend might just end up being the Florida State segment by the end of the season. Because if you haven't seen this play with Florida State losing to Jacksonville State on a last-second Hail Mary play, and again, Jacksonville State is an FCS team. And this is the second year of Mike Norville, so you don't get the first year exception rule that I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt to most people with. Florida State ends up having just an awful, awful loss on this Hail Mary that ends up with them just being absolutely laughed at because Florida State has fallen hard in the last five years as a college football program. So... Watch the video of that. Unfortunately, I could give you the audio of it, which wouldn't really give you the full picture, but it was a crazy, crazy Hail Mary victory for Jacksonville State. We joked last week so much, I think I mentioned it about nine times, and I can't mention enough, that the University of Washington paid $675,000 for the University of Montana to come in and derail their football program. Well, Florida State paid 
$400,000 for Jacksonville State to come in and derail their football program, a a football program that was already a gigantic meme. Florida State's been a gigantic meme for years now. And the pinpoint moment that we can look at for when everything fell apart for Florida State was college game day, ranked number two in the country, playing number 11 Louisville. They lost 63-20. to They've never been in the top 10 since that moment. It was the end of Florida State football as we knew it. And five years later, they are losing to Jacksonville State and becoming perennial meme lords on the Memes of the Weekend podcast that we're going to do every Monday here through football season in addition to the regular NFL Monday podcasts. So yeah, Florida State, you suck. We already laughed at the Pac-12 South. All right, let's talk about this 49ers-Lions game. We skipped over the 49ers and the Lions on Take It Easy because this game is perfectly reserved for memes of the weekend it was jared goff's first game who all of a sudden has this cult following thanks to canadian cutler and the 49ers whooped ass whooped ass on the detroit lions it was the only game on the docket that we didn't bet on the game on the picks of the week with dsd and walter mitchell and blake and myself we did not bet this game and it was looking perfect up to that point it was a domination by the 49ers which by the way this is my favorite stat in and of itself that the 49ers had over 400 yards of offense Debo Samuel had over 100 yards receiving one of which was just on one play that was gigantic Brandon Ayuk had not a single target and it's fun when you're playing against Brandon Ayuk in fantasy football and Ayuk ends up having a terrible terrible game for the uh, for the 49ers didn't even get a target, and yet the 49ers were up 38 to 10 in the third quarter. They were up 41 to 17 in the fourth quarter, and then backstormed the Detroit Lions. Turnover, touchdown, two point conversion. Turnover, touchdown, two point conversion. All of a sudden, it's an eight point game. They had a 24-point fourth quarter lead. Everything is falling apart for the 49ers, just like a Kyle Shanahan joke you can insert around the 28-3, or a Kyle Shanahan joke you can insert around losing, I think it was uh, 20-10 in the last nine minutes of the Super Bowl against the Chiefs and losing by 10 points. Insert whatever Kyle Shanahan joke you want. They blew a 24-point lead down to 8 within like five minutes of the fourth quarter. And so the Lions got the ball with one minute left to go, one timeout, started working the ball down the field. The Anthony Lynn offense looked like the opposite of what we were used to the Anthony Lynn offense being with the Chargers, which was a lot of run plays, but desperation brought out the best in Anthony Lynn, apparently. So Jared Goff has a ridiculously crazy stat line. The Lions finished with 33 points. None of it was real. All of it was in desperation. It was absolutely bonkers. Uh, To put it officially, Jared Goff threw 57 passes for 338 yards, three touchdowns, and one pick, which is the joke we make all the time about Dak Prescott. 
and previously Matt Ryan, which is just you're going to throw 350 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Both teams are going to score in the 30s. You're going to win about 50% of your games. If the Lions could play like this every single week, I think they'd be happy considering that they're on pace to win like two or three games this year and be absolutely terrible. But maybe that's what they're trying to do. Maybe this strategy is more effective of having Goff just throw the ball 57 times and letting him air it out all over the place like what what, uh, Matt Ryan does or what Dak Prescott does or what Carson Wentz kind of did or what Derek Carr does now and then. But anyways, point being, they trim it all the way down and then the, the 49ers defense gets a stop at the end. But it was just so funny to see everything fall apart and the reason that the Lions got the ball with a minute to go was because the 49ers were running out the clock. Debo Samuel caught a pass, converted a first down, just had to go to the ground, the game is over, and he fumbled. He got stripped after picking up the game-clinching first down with a minute and a half to go, going in for points on Detroit, by the way, their defense is just abominable. Like, their defense is going to finish last in the league this year for Detroit. Just absolutely garbage. And he fumbled the ball. Recovered by Detroit. And they got a chance to win. They came within 25 yards. And then one penalty ended up derailing the game for them because then they had like a 4th and 11 that Jared Goff got hit on and pressured and... That would be the end of the Detroit Lions run, but it was still truly, truly unbelievable what happened to the 49ers in that game. It was a perfect Lions game, and it made me start to think that maybe it was a Lions thing. It wasn't a Matthew Stafford thing. Just like watching the first half of the Panthers-Jets game made me think that maybe it was a Jets thing and not a Sam Darnold thing. But then Sam Darnold came back down to earth. We realized that the Panthers are not good. Sam Darnold's not actually that good. He was just taking advantage of a really bad Jets defense. One of the funniest moments from the weekend was Joe Judge. And Joe Judge is like Man Campbell light, basically. So Joe Judge is one of these like rah-rah coaches who believes in the toughness and basically in the advanced analytic era, advanced analytic era. Wow, I should edit that later, but maybe I won't. Joe Judge is one of these guys who basically says in the advanced analytics era, we're just going to out-tough everybody. We're just, the way we're going to separate from everyone else is just by working harder and being tougher than everyone else. And he's basically like Man Campbell light without the funny quotes. And so Joe Judge has a moment in the Broncos game where the Broncos tight end with a really long name that got memed this weekend. I don't remember his name. He scores a touchdown that puts Denver up by two scores. And Joe Judge throws the challenge flag on a play that seems pretty clear was a touchdown for the Denver Broncos. Like his knee, you can see pretty clearly has a knee above ground when the football hits the pylon. So pretty clearly looks like a touchdown. But Joe Judge throws out the challenge flag on a scoring play. Which is something I didn't think about, but then afterwards I'm like, how could you not realize that all scoring plays are reviewed? So Joe Judge doesn't just get to do an oopsie-daisy and pick up the flag. No, no, no. I've never seen this before. They charge Judge a timeout for throwing the challenge flag on a scoring play. 
he doesn't get the challenge back. It's like an automatic loss on the challenge that would be automatically reviewed anyways, which ultimately the touchdown counted, but Judge threw the challenge flag for a scoring play and loses that challenge, loses that timeout, and all of a sudden it's just a blatant coaching mistake that gets brought up on the Red Zone broadcast. And so Joe Judge gets to be laughed at because Joe Judge is one of these coaches that if you don't have buy-in from your players, it's not going to work. Uh, The joke that Gridiron Heights made about it is that he's basically like Vrabel if you don't follow the safety card. And uh, this is pretty much, or the safety, or he's like Vrabel if he followed the safety protocols was the joke. And so it feels like Joe Judge is just like the light version of everything else. Like believes in the same idea. Basically, Joe Judge is, is like the the politician guy who's like quite like in the closet about some of the radical views of their party. Who basically won't come out and say it out loud, but kind of is pro the craziness of people on the further fringes of the party whether that's man campbell craziness or mike vrabel with not following covid protocols or dipping or whatever the hell mike vrabel's crazy family was that we saw during the nfl draft broadcast that's basically what joe judge is and if you don't have the results behind it i think people are going to look at him like he's a bit of a loon and you've had a mixed bag of results from joe judge and Today didn't give me the confidence that things are going to work out great for the Giants, especially because Saquon Barkley was terrible for the New York Giants and is still battling injuries 12 months after his initial injury. I'm starting to think that Saquon is uh, has been ruined by years of terrible Giants offensive lines and uh, was not worth the number two pick at a position that doesn't provide value in the first place. So the only way they could mess it up was by having him get injured. And Giants fans, you did this to yourselves because he got Ben McAdoo fired, which prevented you from drafting Josh Allen potentially in the 2017 draft. So let's talk about the Sam Darnold revenge game. Because we touched on it a little bit on the podcast, but all of it was just laughable because it looked like it was a legitimate revenge game at the beginning. And then it just came down to the Jets covering the spread in the back door, but the Panthers still being better than the Jets because it's a low bar to hit to be better than the Jets. The Jets are going to suck this year. And that might stunt Zach Wilson's development. We're not really sure. We talked about this on our NFL recap show. Um, We'll see what ends up happening with that. But the whole Sam Darnold revenge game was sad. And it felt like, in the spirit of the memes of the weekend, that it was just a lot of content to be made around it. Actually, our second most popular post of the weekend came out of that um, with Sam Darnold and the the, uh, duel between him and the Jets because it felt like the, the loser of the Sam Darnold revenge game was not the Jets, was not Zach Wilson, was not Adam Gase. The loser was just anyone who decided that they were going to spend their Sunday afternoon watching the local Jets and Panthers broadcast, especially if you're in New York and you had alternative options like whatever game was going on over on Fox instead, um, which in the morning games probably would have been... Ooh, maybe the 49ers-Lions. Uh, maybe it wasn't that great of an option, but still, it turned out okay in the long run. So maybe just be uh, a little bit better about what you pick for your revenge games when both franchises have been perpetually mediocre across the last half decade. Speaking of perpetually mediocre franchises across the last half decade, 
We've already talked about the Giants, and they were playing the Broncos. So we might as well just complete the trifecta and talk about the Chicago Bears. Because the Chicago Bears were bad. I love this tweet from Barstool Big Cat where he's basically like, the Bears are not going to cover the spread, and yet you looked at them and said, not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Saw some good things from the Chicago Bears. And yet the team was just really, really bad on Sunday. They lose by three touchdowns. This was by far our most popular meme of the weekend on any platform, was the first touchdown pass of the game. And so to paint the picture for you, Van Jefferson catches a touchdown, or sorry, catches a 50-plus yard bomb from Matthew Stafford. And he just gets up because the Bears forget or don't choose to touch him, and he gets up and runs it into the end zone for a touchdown. Like the Bears thought it was still college rules where you're automatically down or something like that. So Jefferson gets up, scores the touchdown, and Matthew Stafford comes running down the field, flailing his arms in joy. And if you're listening to this right now, check out Comical Sports Memes on Instagram and check out the post on our IG Reels. Or I'm sorry, uh, yeah, IG Reels, which is basically just TikToks. So check out our TikTok on Instagram of... Matthew Stafford's touchdown and it's got the caption of I've never seen Matthew Stafford this excited in my entire life or this happy in my entire life like Matthew Stafford has never looked that happy so he starts flailing his arms as he runs down the field and they pan to Jalen Ramsey who's screaming with joy and everyone is super excited on the Rams bench and I attest that A close second was the Saints, but nobody had more fun this weekend than the Los Angeles Rams on that Sunday night game that was totally meaningless and we all knew was totally meaningless. The NFL just wanted to put the Rams and that new stadium on Sunday night football as they beat the living snot out of the Chicago Bears, who are not good. They were a 5-11 team on paper last year that had some great one-possession wins, took advantage of Kyler Murray getting hurt at the end of the season, and ended up making the playoffs with a 5-11 roster. That actually got worse over the offseason. That 5-11 team got worse. So the Bears might be really, really bad this year. We'll see when they switch to Justin Fields, which, by the way, Fields took a goal line um, package play ran it for a touchdown because Andy Dalton ain't going to be running that goal line (laughs) read option play. So Justin Fields actually got a touchdown in there. Um, And it wasn't that Andy Dalton played bad. It was just that Andy Dalton played like Andy Dalton. It was super conservative, a lot of check downs. Um, It just, there wasn't very much to work with for Andy Dalton. It was just very like below average. He had 206 yards, no touchdowns, the one pick, 71 passer rating, what we would expect from a backup quarterback. It was like game managing 101, similar to what Mac Jones did for the Patriots, except Mac Jones had a couple of cool moments, but uh, Mac Jones just simply refused to throw the ball down the field further. I think Mac Jones had the lowest yards per completion of any quarterback this weekend at 9.6, but he completed like 75% of his passes, so he gets to have a high quarterback rating and didn't turn the ball over, which Andy Dalton turned the ball over off of a 41-yard David Montgomery run. So the Bears just get to be losers this weekend. We can laugh at them for starting Andy Dalton and losing by three touchdowns and just generally having expectations and not meeting any of them. But slowly but steadily, this is becoming more and more depressing for the Bears, and that's less fun than Bears fans being irrationally 
having or Bears fans irrationally having expectations. That's what makes the beef with Bears fans so much fun is that they have irrational expectations that we can make fun of because they've been a perpetually mediocre franchise for about a decade now. It's been a long time since the Chicago Bears were any kind of relevant, except for that one year with the double doink, which you can concede that they were good that year just for the painful memory of having to live down that awful double doink. Finally, on memes of the weekend, the Atlanta Falcons. That is all. Everything about the Atlanta Falcons is a meme of the weekend. Actually, I lied. We have one more thing to cover here. Fox graphics. Because they're one of my favorite things that exist right now in the sports landscape, is laughing at the Fox graphics that are basically like cartoons that people have drawn by hand. And they're really good drawings. It's just that they're weird, accurate, they're weirdly accurate representations of players. Like basically, they just took Carson Wentz and copy pasted his face with Big Ben, and then changed the hair colors a little bit, or made Devonta Smith look like fifteen, like a fifteen-year-old wide receiver, even though Devonta Smith is my age and my size. And I think you could argue that maybe I look like a fifteen-year-old if you shave off all the hair, give me a buzz cut kind of look like a 15 year old so I guess I understand that but also they make Patrick Mahomes Hispanic for some reason and they make Tom Brady look like he's 14 years old which is really scary I hope that they've changed the graphic this year with Tom Brady Uh, DeAndre Swift's is like oddly super accurate and super detailed I don't know who made DeAndre Swift but it's like the only one that's ridiculously accurate in the entire thing like you just took a photo of him and then turned it into a cartoon it's amazingly well drawn and the fox graphics redid jared goff because he's on a new team and it looks like they redid tj hawkinson because both of them look like they're going to be the ultimate combination of it's no big deal officer my dad's the mayor and it's just a little bit of weed it's basically what jared goff looks like he looks like it's no big deal officer It's just a little bit of weed, and I'm the mayor's son. And so does TJ Hawkinson, apparently, according to his Fox graphics. Um, They are now the one-two combination most likely to get around white privilege. And so I think uh, we're officially going to declare Jared Goff and TJ Hawkinson the white privilege duo of the 2021 season, according to their Fox graphics. Um, Those were some of my favorite ones from the weekend. We're laughing at those. Uh, Jordan Loves looks kind of funny. If you Google that one, that was pretty interesting. There's some fun stuff with Fox graphics. Also, the Falcons suck. That is all. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to our Memes of the Weekend bonus pod. And we're going to be doing this every single week here going throughout the podcast so that we can spend about a half hour laughing at all the wonderful dealings of the sports weekend like we've been doing over the last couple weeks. And you guys really seem to like them. So... We're going to keep that rolling along here on the Take It Easy podcast. Make sure to check out our NFL Week 1 recap episode. Check out Wired Up from Sunday. Really good picks. Uh, Well, I guess we went three for two this weekend. So kind of good picks. Really cool, or at least I think really cool, Ohio State, Oregon analysis. Make sure to check that out. Subscribe to everything going on here on Take It Easy and Comical Sports if you want to see some of the memes that we talked about here this weekend. Also, check out the Instagram story for uh, a couple of them as well. If you don't see them 
on the Instagram posts and you're listening to this within 24 hours of it being released, you can also check it out over on the IG story. Thanks for stopping in, everybody, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. This year. Now, Matt Rule just wanted to see if he could jerk one of the Jets. We was catching him, unlike Aguilar and his mishaps. I like to put that out there.